Welcome to Real Estate Investing Abundance, the show for busy, fulfilled professionals like you to learn how to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Now, here is your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. Hello, enlightened investors. I'm your host, Dr. Alan, and today I am delighted to be talking about a topic close to my heart, and that is living an intentional life. Matt Four is a real estate investor based out of Nashville, Tennessee. In his professional life, he has spent over a decade in sales and sales leadership positions at one of the largest technology companies in the world. Matt has invested in 250 plus units throughout the Southeast and various real estate notes. When he's not working or investing in real estate, he enjoys reading, training for Ironman triathlons, and convincing his brother that he is the favorite twin. So Matt, share with us a memorable experience from your formative years that helped you to be who you are today. Yeah, thanks, uh, Dr. Allen, for having me on the show. I was thinking about this because uh, I'm a listener of the show beforehand, and I'm going to give you a personal one. I actually grew up with a sister with mental disability. She was born in the 70s, so we didn't really, really know what she had, but we can assume that she was on the Down syndrome spectrum. And three and a half years ago, she tragically passed in her sleep in my parents' home. And while it was a phenomenally tragic event for the family, as you can imagine, it, she taught me a lot in life. She, she had a, a tremendous amount of impact on me. She taught me humility. She taught me to be grateful for the things that I have. And I'm just blessed that I had the 34 years that I had with her and that she taught me so much about life in her years. Was she a younger sister? She was an older sister. An older sister. Okay. Yeah. So you knew her all of your life up until uh, her death there. You know, that's interesting how marvelous things can come from disappointments. And we never know what life is going to bring us. Makes you realize how short life is too. She was 40 when she passed. And that's one of the things that I go around talking about is how do you live an intentional life? Because you never know if today's the last day. And if it is, you want to make sure it's your best day. So that's where that all comes from. That's for sure. We never know. And you know, so much of the time we spend living our lives in the past or in the future. And in doing so, we just miss out on the the joys of life. That's it. Well, Matt, there are three areas that you utilize when you are looking at passive investments. What are those three basic areas? Yeah. So I've gotten involved in real estate because from my W-2 job, I work in sales today. So I get these lumpy commission checks and I was trying to figure a way to smooth those out. Like, How do I go from stop going from boom to bust to more stabilized income? And I got to tell you, when 2020 happened, I felt more relieved knowing that stable cash flow was coming into my bank account and I wouldn't have to worry about putting food on my table or a roof over my head if I ended up losing my job. So um, the three things I really look for when I'm looking at deal are the team, the market, and the business plan. And I know that you talk a little bit about investing passively in investments. And I'm trying to give our listeners a, a, a framework for how they should view passive investments because everybody can make something look good on paper, but really it's digging into the details where you'll find is it a deal worth investing in. Well, absolutely. Can you tell us as a passive investor, uh, you just mentioned the three things that you look at, the team, the deal, and Tell us about how you actually go into investigating those three areas. 
Yeah. So the first thing I think anybody should do is start creating a deal flow more than anything. Because when you start seeing a number of deals, then you can really develop your criteria for how you should view a passive investment. Um, So from a team perspective, the things I look for are, has this team worked together in the past? Have they gone full cycle on a deal? Meaning they've found a deal, they've closed a deal, and they've exited a deal. If it's going to be a rehab, who is the construction team? Who is the rehab team? Have they worked with this passive investing group before or this GP group before? Have they done deals in this market before? The second thing I look at is really just the geography. So what we want to see there is job influx or job growth, demographic influx, wage growth, and really that centralized zip code of what's the median income and can it support the, the business plan that we're trying to offer, which leads me to my last one, the business plan. And really, the business plan is around two things. One, is it a fix and flip? Is it a buy and hold? Is it a light rehab? Is it a full development? And then two, what is the debt structure? Are we looking at floating interest rates? Are we locking in an interest rate? Who is the bank? What are the terms on it? Is it going to come up on a year expiration? Is it fixed in for the next 20 years? So I think just giving investors a framework for how they should be looking at deals helps them understand whether it's a good deal or a bad deal. Well, excellent advice there. Well, what are the four steps uh, to achieving anything in life? Yeah. So I've gone through this personal development journey over my career in my life, and I've really tried to break things down from a, a step-by-step process for how anybody can achieve anything, whether it's a personal goal or a career goal. I think it's one, important that everybody has clarity on what they're trying to, be, to do. If, it's the old saying, if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. You have to know which way you're going to go. And, and you know as much as I do that we think that decisions in life are binary, that there are a yes or a no, a one or a zero, a right or a left. When ultimately, if you make one decision, it's going to minimize or narrow down the decisions that you can make further down the road. If, and so there, it's like, if you take this exit, you can no longer keep going down the interstate sort of thing. The second thing, once you have clarity on where you're going to go, is consistency. And here in consistency, I'm going to tell your listeners to have some grace with themselves. It's about doing something every day. It's not about doing the right thing every day. So once you know where you're trying to go, just start doing a five-minute task that you can do every single day to march towards those goals. Because if you do that five-minute task for years on end, you'll be so much further towards your goal than you ever thought you would be. And at the very least, it will put your goals in your clarity phase at the top of your mind every single day. The second, the third one is efficiency. So I said consistency was about doing something. Efficiency now is about doing the right thing. And there's this phrase out there, get going and then get good. This is the get good phase and efficiency. And then the last, I'm still trying to figure a way to, to, to kind of explain this to folks, but it's compounding. Sometimes you have to not get in your own way and do the things that got you successful. Keep doing those things over and over and over again, and just let time take its course. So really, if you're trying to look at any goal that you have, whether it's professionally, investing, or, or career-wise, I think if you're clear on where you're going to want to go, if you're consistent in the actions that you want to take, if you model those actions and start becoming efficient with those actions and then just let it compound over time, you can achieve anything that you want. Well, four very, very practical steps there. And if we can take all four of those to heart, I think we're going to get to where we're going. And I think if we, you're, you said you have a hard time describing compounding, but I think if you get clarity, consistency, and efficiency, then I think the compounding comes pretty naturally following all three of those first steps there. Well, you are a triathlon athlete, 
And so that means at least three sports that you excel at. So what have you learned as an athlete? Yeah. So for those of you listeners out there that don't know what an Ironman is, it's a 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike, a 26.2 mile race, a run. Yes, it's all in a single day. Yes, it's all in a single event. And when I tell people about that, they think I'm crazy. I just like to say that I'm a glutton for torture. You know, really, there's the, the things that I've learned have really helped me develop those four steps. It's about consistency. It's about finding the right things to do every single day that gets you towards your goal. I'm not going to have a great workout every day. And there's no workout that I can do that makes up for missing two workouts. So really, it's just about doing something every day. But I, I really try to break it down to you got to set your own pace in life. If you go too fast, you'll burn yourself out. If you go too slow, then you will never gain traction in what you're trying to do. Uh, really being in the mile that you're in. So when you're running that marathon, you're at the back end of a race. It's really about getting to the next mile. You can't change the, the previous miles. You can't change what happened a couple hours ago in a swim. You can't change what's going to happen in the future. All you can do is focus on the mile that you're in. And then the last is just refueling and re-energizing. I mean, Ironman, when you're putting 20 hours of training on your body, plus working a full-time job, plus having the personal commitments that you have in life, you need that downtime. You need that time to re-energize. And so when you're in your normal day-to-day, if you're on Zoom calls from back to back to back, maybe it's lessening them by five minutes so you can get that extra time to re-energize. Maybe it's looking at your diet to make sure that you're not feeding it with full of junk that makes you uh, lethargic and slow and things like that. So I think there's a lot of a lot of similarities between personal development and investing goals that that go hand in hand with endurance sports. And while I'm certainly not advocating that everybody become a triathlete, I think that doing something consistently physically every day, you'll see the most growth personally and uh, professionally. We'll be right back after a brief announcement. Are you a busy professional, passionate about the work of your calling, yet realize that even though you love what you are doing, you're exchanging your time for money? You know that if you were to lose the ability to exchange time for money, your financial well-being will be in jeopardy. If you can relate, I have great news. Steve Tucker Capital is an investment company designed for professionals to develop financial independence built on solid passive real estate investments. Remove the anxiety of an uncertain financial future and go to steetalker.com. Get your free one-page 10-step guide to passive real estate investing. Well, what led you into endurance sports? Well, there's two things. One, I'm a guy that tries to push himself mentally, emotionally, and physically. That's, that's my goal in life is to find out where my physical, emotional, and spiritual boundaries are in my life and push myself to that edge just to see what would happen. And so I've always kind of been a guy that's uh, been into sports, been into fitness, and I ran my first marathon and I was like, man, that was hard, but it wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. So before I even bought a bike or, or signed up for a pool or anything like that, I signed up for an Ironman and just said, what's the worst that could happen? So uh, that's kind of what led me down that rabbit hole. What age were you when you did your first Ironman? Oh, gosh, I think I was 28 or 27. It was a little bit later in my life, but certainly it, it's interesting. What I love about Ironman is no one's born to be a long distance sport athlete, right? No one came out of the womb and, and was running marathons and things like that. Whereas some people might be genetically disposed to do other sports. I like to say like LeBron James, he's a six foot six, 215 solid muscle, can jump out of the gym athlete. Like that dude was born to be an athlete some way. 
no one was born that way to be an endurance athlete. So you just have to work at it every single day. And I think what kind of kept me in it was this idea of seeing a long-term goal and focusing on a long-term goal, but doing something today that can help you get there. And like I said earlier, it's just so transferable to life that I was hooked. I was addicted. And it's better that I'm addicted. Like I tell my mom, it's better that I'm addicted to this than other things. So might as well, might as well have a good habit in life. Well, did you run track in high school or anything even related to? I, I didn't. To I didn't. Really? I, wow. I swam in high school. I played football. I played baseball, did all the other sports like that, but never owned a bike, uh, never really ran long distance or cross country or anything like that. Just wow. fell in love with it. Uh, interesting. Well, how many of those do you do a year? It depends on the year. So earlier when I was growing through uh, my Ironman's training, I was doing a lot more because it was more important that I race than and learn how to race. Because uh, there's a lot of strategy in Ironman. It's not who can finish. It's how you exert your energy. My coach says that you, you have a box of matches when you start a race. You only get to burn, strike those matches once. Once you strike that match, you don't get that match back. So knowing how and when to do that is important. So I was trained probably doing four or five races a year at the beginning. Those weren't all fulls to clarify. There was halves and other things too. But now I try to pick one or two good races that I'm really going to go hard at and uh, set my season around that. Well, I can see the correlation between that and passive investing. And I liked your correlation. I mean, and I liked your uh, example there of you only have one match. And particularly in commercial real estate investing, you're investing considerable amounts of money in one endeavor. And it's important to get it right because mistakes can be very, very, very costly uh, in this particular industry. So, yeah, I, I, I kind of abide by the Warren Buffett philosophy. And there's a documentary on him on HBO. And at the end, he talks about like, you've got your strike zone and your area of competency. And what made Warren Buffett a fantastic investor is he just watched pitch after pitch after pitch until one hit his strike zone that he felt confident in swinging at. And then he swung, right? And I, I would tell the same for people that want to be passive investors in multifamily or commercial real estate. You're getting pitched all once you get that deal flow, you're getting pitches all the time that are being thrown at your strike zone. And it's so emotional and so eager to jump in and do that deal. But really, those are your practice reps. Run those deals, run those numbers, figure out how they're getting to their underlying assumptions. And that way you will be able to spot a good deal from a bad deal based off of the kind of three criteria that we talked about earlier. And then when you swing, you can swing hard, basically. So yeah, I, I agree. There's a lot of similarities. You know, there's a lot of people say, all you need to do is just take action. And this is kind of contrary advice to that. But I think, I think it's very wise advice, probably in any investment, but particularly in real estate investment, when your bottom floor is about $50,000. Uh, I think rather than take action, I think it's a good idea to to watch those pitches until the right deal uh, comes along. Good advice there. Yeah, there's a there's a guy out there called Chad Carson who has a real estate coaching business and things like that, and he he talks about it too. Go small or go home. You know, the the internet's out there telling you if you're not doing these billion dollar deals that you're not doing it right and you're never going to get anywhere. I mean, taking action could be something as small as signing up for somebody's deal flow, evaluating a deal 
setting up a conversation with somebody. And you know, if I had to look back at the mistakes I made early on in my investing career, it was that I didn't do enough of this: setting up conversations, meeting folks, and you know, look, you're you're gonna meet some folks that you're not gonna jive with, and you just put them in another corner. And but you'll never find those folks that you jive with, and the deal flow that you're looking for, and the people that you want to build a team with, unless you're having those conversations. So for those folks out there that are you know, feel in this uh, Instagram bubble that they're not doing enough of, just do something small. And that's mm-hmm. enough action because once you start doing enough small things, they build into a big avalanche. Absolutely. Well, you get into a deal and generally real estate investing is a long-term process, a long-term deal, but there comes a time and you want to turn those deals. How do you go about turning those deals? You mean exiting them? Uh Oh man, I wish I had an answer for this right now. And I would love to kind of spitball this right now because I'm looking at markets right now more than anything. If I'm in a if I'm in a market like a Greenville, for instance, Greenville's a fantastic market. I got into a Greenville deal two years ago where, you know, the the markets still haven't felt a ton of appreciation. And uh, the deal's done fantastic, right? We've doubled, we've hit a double. So now it's kind of like, okay, probably time to take money off the table and go move to something else because I've met my investment returns of five years and two years. However, sitting here in Nashville, Tennessee, and Nashville, Tennessee just got named by PwC and Urban Institute as the number one real estate market in 2021. It's been on the top 10 list for a couple of years now. And I own seven single family homes here and I'm trying to exit my single family portfolio, but gosh darn it. like (laughs) We're just seeing tremendous growth right now. And Oracle just announced they're bringing 8,000 jobs. Amazon's building their HQ2 here along with uh, the DC campus. And there's just tremendous job growth and tremendous demographic growth that I don't know if it makes sense right now to, to exit it. So I don't know the right answer to that. I will say for most of my investments, I think of them as lifetime holds. And I'm just I'm in it for the lifetime. So if it goes down in, in over the next year, I'm not really worried about it because I've I've put myself in a position where those are going to be long term holds. So I don't know if that answers your question, but hopefully that gives some insight to listeners. Like there's different ways to evaluate it depending on different things that you're you're interested in. And that clarity phase is the most important. Knowing what you're clear on and what you want is probably the most best way to analyze that. I was talking with somebody a couple of days ago who was saying. It's really more important over the long haul than it is to try to time markets that it's just almost impossible to to time them. I know there's a lot of experts out there who think they can tell you when that crash is coming, but I think those who get it right just happen to make their prediction at just the right time. Yeah. Just by they- luck and by golly. Yeah. It- or they say it enough times to where it just happens to become it true this time, you know? One of these times, yeah. So. Another thing I'd say on that is I'm really starting to evaluate my portfolio in a return on equity standpoint, mm-hmm. since we've seen so much inflation, since we've seen a huge tailwind in property prices of the past couple of years here versus a cash on cash. When I was first getting started, it was all about cash on cash returns and, and achieving that. But now that you've got 150, 200,000 of debt equity in a property, either refi it out and put it somewhere else or exit the property completely and and maybe move on. So that might that might be another thing to kind of judge a judge an exit on. Yeah, well, we've been talking about passive investors primarily, but just real quickly, tell us the difference between an active investor and a passive investor. Yeah, so I'm really going to go back to this question and say that it depends on intentionality of your life. 
right? If your highest and best use of your time is being present with your family, being present at a kid's soccer game, at, uh, being present in your W-2 because you've got some high net worth skill that like changing lives in it, then it's probably best that you be a passive investor, which means that you are a capital investor. You take none of the risk beyond losing your capital. You have no legal liabilities if someone were to slip and fall and break their neck on a property or things like that. But also, you're not involved in the day-to-day, which means that your returns could be a little bit lower than somebody who is running the property. An active investor is really in charge of setting up the, the LLCs, finding the deals, uh, raising the capital, making sure that they're doing the day-to-day management of this light needs to be fixed. This person has a problem with their neighbor and we need to go solve that. The cops just got called because something happened and dealing with those problems. So I would take a look and say, what problems do you want in life? Where's your best and highest use of your time? Where can What activities set you up the most to be the most intentional with the people that you love and the passions, the hobbies and the passions that you care about. And that can help you decide whether you want to be on the active sale or the, or the passive side. Well, Matt, you have a lot to share. So tell our viewers and listeners how they can get in touch with you and what is it that you have to offer? Yeah, sure. So there's two places you can find me. One is on LinkedIn. If you just search Matt for, you'll see my ugly face up there smiling. You'll see a big technology firm. That's the, that's the company I work for today. And I, uh, uh, you can reach out to me there. I will warn you, if you reach out to me and when I set up conversations, I love talking about finance and I love nerding out on numbers. So I, I might uh, bend your ear a little bit. Or the second place is I'm a host of a podcast called Ice Cream with Investors. I started the podcast in 2021 because I got a sense in 2020 that there was a lot of negativity and a lot of pessimism out there. And a lot of folks that were trying to figure out, hey, how can I be more intentional? How can I uh, maybe I just lost my job and I need to figure out what I want to do next, or I have a high net worth skill and and I want to just deploy capital into real estate. So we bring on uh, all different areas of real estate to talk about um, uh, active investing, passive investing. And when I first started doing real estate, I thought it was the fix and flip you saw on HGTV. What I didn't know is it's so much more than that. So we try to bring on different niches so that listeners can have an exposure to all the different things that they could do in real estate and decide what, which area they want to go to. So I would love if uh, your listeners tuned in to Ice Cream with Investors to, to listen to the show. Well, Matt, I have one last question. It's actually a three-part question, and that is, share with us one of your most difficult setbacks in life. How did you come through that time, and what did you learn from that experience? So I would say my most difficult setback and what kind of led me on this real estate journey is I am part of a sales. I've been in sales my entire life. Uh, I was part of a $10 million net new logo acquisition campaign. And you know, when I saw the commission that I was going to make on that, my eyes just lit up and I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with it. I looked at stocks. I looked at cryptocurrencies. I looked at bonds. And then somebody said, Hey, you should look at real estate. You get cash flow, you get appreciation, you get tax benefits. That checked a bunch of boxes to me. And then I got the call from my VP at the time. And this isn't the company I work for today. So I want to clarify that. But I got the call that said, Hey, you're, you're not going to get that commission check. And I said, Why not? And they said, Well, Matt, haven't you made enough money this year? And it was at that point where I decided that if I wanted to achieve the goals that I wanted to achieve in my life, if I wanted to give to the causes that I, I cared about deeply, and if I wanted to uh, 
pursue the passions that I had in life that I was going to have to figure out a different financial plan. So it was a difficult thing for me to receive. Um, I have uh, gone gotten over it because it's led me down this passionate rabbit hole that I'm on about learning everything I can about finances and real estate. Well, Matt, thank you so much for being with us today. Marvelous conversation, and it's been a pleasure getting to know you. Thanks for being with us. Absolutely. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Investing Abundance, brought to you by Steed Talker Capital, a company working for passionate professionals like you to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. As part of our efforts to make the world a better place, Steed Talker Capital contributes to activities and organizations committed to better understand the equine. These endeavors attempt to enhance the human treatment of horses worldwide. Steed Talker Capital, working for a world where all creatures, great and small, flourish abundantly. For resources to develop your financial independence, connect with us at steedtalker.com.